And if you have your, your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to, we're going to talk about this idea of having extraordinary strength extraordinary. You and I are extraordinary today. Did you know that? God made us in his image. He created us to be like him and to have the necessary ability and power that we, that we need to be successful in life. God provides extraordinary resources to aid his people as they battle to overcome the challenges of life. Let me ask you, have you ever had a challenge in life? Did you know that God is aware of that and he gives you the ability and the power to overcome any situation that you face? And we're going to talk about that for the next three weeks today. We're going to talk about having extraordinary strength. Next week, we're going to talk about having an extraordinary destiny because of him. And then the following week, we're going to end it by talking about the extraordinary mission that he has given you and given me as his church to impact and affect the world that we live in. So you are extraordinary, and I want us to talk about that today. Before we begin, I wish you'd join me and let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this lovely day. Thank you for this, this wonderful worship. My, my soul was encouraged so much to look around the room and see individuals that are worshiping you uh, without having to be prompted to do so, but just freely giving their worship and honor to you. You're such a good God, and we recognize that today. It is moving to know that the God of this universe would love us enough to take up residence among us and in us. So, Lord, we honor you today. We turn our attention now to the Word of God. Lord, we believe that our faith is encouraged and built when we place the Word of God in our spirit. It, your Word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. So as we, as we take these next few moments and allow you to speak to us today, I pray that you will bring a word of encouragement and strength to us and no matter what we're going through today, no matter what our circumstances are, that you will help us to understand that we have more than sufficient power and authority through the name of Jesus, and that all things are possible to those who believe. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer now, and we have confidence that you will answer it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we've all heard crazy stories in this world about people who are faced with situations and they are able to do something that is extraordinary. They're able to somehow muster up the power to be able to do physical things that would, they would not be able to do if it weren't for what we like to call this adrenaline rush. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not, but it's where the body prepares itself in, in a fight or flight situation. And we are able to do these things that are extraordinary and in some cases heroic because of the adrenaline rush that comes to us. Uh, as an example, in 1988, two Vietnam vets, one named Tiny and one named Steve, 
were working on a site in Hawaii. Tiny was on the ground and Steve was moving items with a helicopter, moving them from place to place. And Tiny would take care of making sure that they got on the pallets they needed to get on. But somehow in that process, there was a mechanical problem with the helicopter and, and Steve crashed onto the ground. And they couldn't get him. He fell out of the helicopter. He was underneath the helicopter. And, and he was being crushed by the weight of it. Tiny ran over to the helicopter. And with one of these extraordinary moments, reached down and picked the helicopter up on one side. Enough that Steve could slip out from underneath the helicopter. Steve was uninjured. He just had minor bruises and scrapes. And he was fine. But Tiny could not explain how he was able to lift that helicopter except through some supernatural, extraordinary strength. Another case involved a deputy fire, a deputy fire chief in Hinesdale, Illinois. They were called to the scene of a, a wreck where a 21-year-old man had slidden off the side of the road and was trapped in his car and could not get out. The car was on fire, it was burning, and it seemed as though that he would certainly uh, be burned up if they could not get him from the car. There were people there, they were trying to release him, but they could not get the doors unlocked or the windows broken out so that he could get out. And then this, this fire chief, who happened to be in the, in the vicinity, came over, and with a supernatural unexplainable show of strength grabbed the door on the side of the car and literally ripped the car door off of the car, freeing the 21-year-old man that was inside the car. Unex unexplainable. It was just this thing that happened that gave him the ability to overcome in that situation. And so just so that you know that we're not going to leave the ladies out today, there's another story about two mothers who were visiting one another one morning. They're drinking coffee together and enjoying a time of fellowship when they heard this loud ruckus outside and screaming. And they got up, ran outside, and discovered that an eight-year-old child in the neighborhood had been hit by a car, plowed over. The eight-year-old was underneath the car on the front side, where the engine was laying on top of the child. They could not get the child out. No one was able to extract the child. So these two mothers, with the help of an older gentleman who had been in the house with them, all got a hold of the front end of that car, and in an unexplainable show of strength, they lifted that car off of this eight-year-old child so that the child could be uh, extracted from underneath. Again, the child had minor injuries and everything was perfectly fine. But these are three examples of uh, unexplainable situations where it seemed like that the circumstances were so crazy that it was impossible for anything good to come from it. What I would like to suggest to you today that that's the way it is in the spirit world, in the spirit realm. And not all of us are going to be weightlifters and able to pick up cars and tip over helicopters and all of those kinds of things. Some of us are even having a hard time just lifting our coffee up to our mouth. 
but what I'm trying to suggest to you is that in the realm of the Spirit, God provides extraordinary strength for us not only to face the circumstances of life, but to be able to overcome. You see, it, 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 it seems that the human body is capable of extraordinary strength because of the design of our Creator. This, this adrenaline, it, it's also called a penifrin. When, when we get into those situations, the body uh, shoots that into our bloodstream, that hormone, and we find this strength that was not there just shortly before. But because of the way that the body is created, this fight or flight example or situation causes this hormone to give us incredible strength. I'd like to suggest to you today that in our world and in our spirit, it's the same thing, only it's not adrenaline. It's the inner working of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us. If you're God's child, the Spirit of God lives and resides within you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We are filled with the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit. And when we face situations that we could not overcome in our own flesh, God shoots us with a supernatural infusion of the Spirit of God that allows us to overcome when the world says that it would be impossible. So what does that look like when, when we have this extraordinary strength? Well, it might look like the fact that we can control our emotions when chaos breaks out all around us. Instead of us getting crazy and losing our mind, we are able to control our minds. It might mean that we are able to look at situations with hopeful outcomes in mind rather than this Debbie Downer kind of mentality where I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. I don't know if I can get through this day or not. I don't know. This just seems overwhelming to me. No, we don't think that way because we say that all things are possible to those who believe and I shall remain hopeful even when the world says it is impossible it might mean that you retain your confidence when everyone around you is telling you that you can't do it you're not able you're not smart enough you're not strong enough you're not talented enough there comes a time when you have to look at a few people and say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not going to believe the report that you're trying to feed into my spirit. Instead, I choose to believe the report of the Lord. Amen. And I will retain my confidence. It might mean that we embrace biblical values in a world and a culture that is changing daily and trying to suggest to us that that's the way it used to be. We don't believe like that anymore. Listen, as long as the Word of God declares that it is true, then I'm not changing the way that I believe and saying what the world says I should be saying or thinking. No siree, Bob. I'm going to stand on the Word of the Lord and believe its report. Amen. Now I want you to look at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 8 through 18 this morning, there's a beautiful accounting there by the Apostle Paul that describes to us what I'm talking about today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 8, it says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. 
We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. We continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. And we know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Can somebody raise a hallelujah right now at the word of God? Amen. It's interesting to hear his language. You know, there are people in this world today that they don't ever want you to say anything bad or negative or discouraging or depressed. They'll say, don't talk like that. Don't say that. Don't speak that. Don't do that. Paul did. He said, listen, listen to what he said. He said, I'm pressed. He said, it's like I've got a, somebody pushing me on one side and one on the other and one behind and one ahead. And they're all pressing me. He said, I'm pressed. He said, I'm perplexed. There are some things I just don't understand. There are some things that I just can't get a grip on. He said, they're hunting me down. It's like a bunch of wild people trying to discover where I am so that they can take my life. He said, I am knocked down. Notice he, he's confessing all these things. I'm pressed, perplexed. I'm hunted down. I'm knocked down. But he doesn't stop there, thank God. He goes ahead and follows it up. And he says, I may be pressed, but I'm not crushed. Amen. I may be perplexed, but I am not driven to despair. I may be hunted down, but I'm never abandoned by God. I might be knocked down, but I'm going to pull myself back up and continue this journey that God has placed me on. I do it because I know what God has promised. I know what he has said. I know he's by my side. I know there's nothing too hard for the child of God. He says, and I'll never give up. We never give up. We never give up. We never give up. We never give up. The world might ask, why don't you give up? Why don't you quit? Why don't you lay it down? Oh, there's never a good time to give up when God is on your side. 
He said we never give up. Instead, we fix our eyes upon an eternal prize. We take our eyes off of what we can see. And in our spirit, we start looking at those things which are invisible to our physical eyes, but they are visible to our spirit man. And instead of living by what we see visibly, we live based on the faith of the invisible things that are in our spirit I like what Winston Churchill said. He said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. I like that, don't you? I'm so glad to be surrounded by people that won't quit, won't give up. I was talking with someone last night. We, we had a little birthday party. Uh, the family did for Sandra. She, I won't tell you how old she turned, but we decided not to spank her because we decided it'd take too long to do that at her age. But we were talking, you know, me and one of the other brothers, we were talking about some of the disappointments of being a pastor. And, and, and I, I said, you know, one of the greatest disappointments for me is when someone comes into a relationship with Christ and they start off strong and they start off good and then for whatever reasons they just decide this is not for me. I don't want to make the effort that I have to make to read the word of God, to pray, to attend church, to be a part of a local congregation where my faith can be uh, put together with theirs, theirs and unified together. It's just too much work for me and so instead they take the easy way out and decide to quit and let me tell you as a pastor, there's nothing more frustrating and discouraging than that. I try to keep up with them. I'll send them texts. I'll call them on the phone. And at first they'll answer the phone. At first they'll answer the text. And then after a while, they don't even bother to answer the text anymore. They don't want to hear uh, that you need to come on. You need to straighten up your shoulders and let God help you through this situation. It's a discouraging moment. But I'm here to say that there are many, many, many more people who square their shoulders and say, life may be tough and it may be hard and it may be difficult but the devil is not going to win the day no sir I have the strength of the Holy Spirit in me it's extraordinary strength uh, and I can do it because of Jesus Christ so the answer is not give up but keep going and keep growing so you might say well how do we do that well let me let me give you three ideas about how we can view this idea of how to keep going and how, uh, how to use extraordinary strength in our lives. And the first one is this. We have to focus on how God's grace can be displayed. I don't know if you know this or not, but God is using every victory that you, that you notch on your spiritual belt to serve as a testimony to those who are struggling in their lives. And he will use your victory to bring grace to their lives. You know, sometimes I think that we just, once we've been through a situation and we're tired and 
We just want rest. We just want to go get a cup of spiritual coffee and sit down on our recliner and not have to worry about telling others about what God has done for us. But that's the time when you most need to be letting others know that I couldn't have done this without the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no way that I could have come through this had it not been for the Lord. The psalmist said, had it not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? I can tell you where I would be. I'd be in some ditch somewhere. I'd already be off the road. I'd be down and out and discouraged and frustrated and quit. But I'm not going to do that because God is on my side. Amen. He will use your victory to increase faith in others. I, I drive by this church on the way to our church every day. And I read their sign occasionally. And, and, and I look at it and, and I'm not trying to be critical. I'm really not. But I think to myself, I would never attend that church in a million years. Because if, if they really believe what they put on their sign, then they don't believe in the same power of the Holy Spirit that I believe in. They don't believe in the same God that I believe in. Let me tell you what they've got on their sign right now. Their sign says, your testimony ends when God calls you home. And I was driving by that one day, and I read it. And I had to turn around and go back. Because before I got mad, I wanted to make sure I was mad for the right reason. I turned around and I, I went and it said, sure enough, it says your testimony ends when God calls you home. And for the rest of the trip here, I'm saying, no, no, that's not true. That is absolutely not true. I can prove from Hebrews all of those who were people of faith who are now looking on, their testimony is still touching us. Abraham's testimony is still touching us. Moses' testimony is still touching us. Esther's testimony is still encouraging us. The Word of God being lived out in our lives is making a difference in our lives, but it's enabling us to touch the lives of others as well. Man, don't you dare think that when I'm dead, it's all over with. No, when you're dead and somebody's staring in your coffin looking at you, they're going to be saying, what a lovely lady of grace. What a wonderful man of strength. What a, what a loving individual this was. Here lies the body of an individual who was sold out for the things of God. They're going to look at your children. You're going to, they're going to see them serving the Lord and living in a way that brings glory to God. And they're going to say they many years ago, they dedicated that child to the Lord. They raised that child in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And this child today is standing in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the testimony of their parents. Somebody tries to tell you that when you're dead and gone, that your testimony dies with you. Oh, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. The life that we live a victory while we're still alive is going to send our testimony and leave a legacy for people to, who need to know that Jesus is the answer for the world today. I'd find me another church, but that's just my opinion. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, And God is able, say God is able, to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, 
you may abound in every good work. How many of you know that he will use you, but he will also supply the resource that you need to be effective? And one of my favorite passages of scripture in all of the Bible is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 that says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, the very comfort, the very victory that God gives you is the same thing that he's going to use in you to help others to be able to rise up from the ashes and see victory happen in their lives. Amen. I want to be useful, don't you? Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says, And in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The late Adrian Rogers said, You cannot obey God without your obedience spilling out in a blessing to all those around you. Did you ever rub up against somebody that had dog hair or cat hair on them? I mean, you just accidentally kind of brushed up on them and then you're walking down the road and you look, look over and you got cat hair all over you. you. You get dog hair all over you and you start picking them off. And somebody told me today, they said, uh, they say, you got cat hair on you. And they reached over to take it and peel it off. But when they did, it was about that long. I thought, I, I've never seen a cat with hair that long. And they started making fun and said, that, that, that's, a, that's a lady hair. That's a blonde lady hair. I said, no, I've been in my office all morning. Everything's good. It's all good. Take it off of me. I remember my wife years ago, the ladies used to do these uh, these permanents in their hair, you know, and they, and, and they, they, they weren't like wavy or curly, but they were like spirally and they, and hers would just stick straight out. I mean, it was like, boom, it was down about shoulder length and all that. I liked it. She liked it. And you know, it was one of those seasons, everybody was doing it and that kind of thing. And we went, we went to bed one night and, and, and the next morning when I woke up, my, my, no, my nose was bothering me and I, I just, something's in my nose and I reached up and, and I got a hold of this hair in my nose. And you know how it is when you go to pull a hair out of your nose? You start real slow because if it's attached, it hurts, baby. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, so I'm just pulling real and I'm waiting until I start feeling the pressure of it, you know? And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yank that baby and get it out. But I get that hair and I start pulling, I start pulling, I start pulling. I, can't, I think, my God, I, I didn't know you could have hair on your brain. But it came out and it came out and it came out until finally it was about this long. And then it dawned on me that I had breathed in one of her beautiful, lovely hairs. I don't even know how I got there. You know me, you never know what you're going to say when you're anointed. I know what I was going to say. 
Adrian Rogers. You can't obey God without your obedience spilling out in a blessing to all those around you. Let me ask you something. Did you ever feel like that your testimony is heavy on failure and light on breakthrough? Did you ever feel like it was heavy on failure and light on breakthrough? Somehow or another, the devil gets us to believe that our victory is not worthy to talk about. That our, our, our victory over circumstances is, is not enough to testify about. And so he gets us to be silent. And he encourages us to shut up. And, he, and every time we t- think about talking about the victory that we have, we say, well, it's not quite enough. And it, it doesn't compare to this one's victory. And it doesn't compare to that one's victory. Listen, you're not that person. You're not that person. You're not that person. You're never going to be them. But you are who God intended for you to be. And he has given you a testimony that can be used uh, to raise a hallelujah in the life in the circle of influence that you're a part of. So first of all, we need to focus on how God's grace can be displayed. Secondly, we need to focus on our own spiritual growth. You see, verse 16 says, that's why we never give up. As though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Listen, every time that something happens in your life that that drops you to your knees... And causes you to fast and pray before God like you never have before. You should be thankful for that. Because it is developing you to be a stronger child of God. So instead of singing the old hee-haw song. Doom, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Doom, despair, and agony on me. So many of us just know that song by memory and we sing it every day of our life. Instead, why don't we get up and say, it may be that I'm facing some challenges. It may be that I have something going on in my body that I have to deal with or financial matter or something at work is not working the way that I'd like to. My family seems to be dysfunctional more than I would hope for it to be. Instead of focusing on all the negativism of life, why don't we lift our heads and say, my help comes from the Lord. Amen. And he will help me through this situation. Says though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a bodybuilder in our church. It's true. And I know you're all looking up here at me like it's me, but it's not me. You may not know this, but Priscilla Morgan started a journey at the first of this year to become a bodybuilder. Her goal is to compete in one of the competitions so that she uh, can win and be known as uh, the best bodybuilder in her category, powerlifting. So it's not about how much weight that she uses, I'm told, but it's about the way that she lifts weight. Am I right about that? The, the, the form, if you will. She's not trying to hurt herself. She's not trying to get to the place where she can say, I, I lifted a thousand pounds. I hope, I hope she's not. 
because, you know, she'd be trying to lift me at a thousand pounds. And I'd, I, I, I'm, I'm inspired by people like this who want to push themselves and grow and, and better themselves and set a goal and decide this is something that I want to do. But I can assure you that Priscilla is not out to injure herself. She, she's not out to do this in a way that will break her body down. She's in it to cause her body to grow and to be strengthened and, and so that she will become stronger. I read a little bit about it and I didn't know this, but, but what I read says your muscles don't actually grow during the workout. They grow after the workout. Because when your muscles encounter strong resistance, they suffer from what is called micro-tearing. And when your workout is complete, the muscles start repairing themselves. And it's during that repairing process that the muscles grow and become stronger. So what we've got to understand is this. We want to grow and mature in the middle of our conflict. Most of the time, that's not where the growth is going to take place. The growth is going to take place when we come through the difficulty and look back on it, and we begin to see the repairing process in our spirit make us stronger. So we got to be patient. And what happens is, so many times, is when we get in the middle of the mess, we quit. We give up. The pain tells us this is too much. It's not worth this. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do this. And so we quit when the process is incomplete, I want to encourage you today, don't quit. Give God an opportunity to strengthen you and make you stronger when the mess is over. I oftentimes tell people when I'm standing at the gravesite of someone who has passed, and the only ones there are the family usually at the gravesite service, and I normally say something to this effect. Grieving is natural for everyone. Grief is going to come at some point. But grief is different for everyone. Some people grieve very quickly. Some people grieve almost immediately. Some will grieve six weeks from now. Some will grieve six months from now. Some six years after the, 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 the loss of the loved one, grief will set in. But grief is a natural process. In fact, let me say it's a spiritual process that is designed by God to bring us through the circumstance and to allow healing to take place in our spirit. So what I'm trying to say to you today is that there's no good time to quit. You have to stand in there and let the process play itself out. So that whatever spiritual micro-tearing takes place in you can begin a process of repairing that will help you to become victorious. Some of us are sick in our bodies. Some of us are fighting a disease. Some of us are fighting divorce and dysfunctional family situations. Some are struggling at our place of employment. Some are discouraged and depressed. Some are aggravated with the processes of, of aging. We all have different difficulties and challenges in our life. 
But the God that I serve is able to give us the strength to overcome whatever we may be facing today. And then finally this morning, we have to learn to focus on our eternal goal. Notice what verses 17 and 18 say. Get it, get it in your Bible. I'll get it to you in just a minute. I don't know if you know this or not, but none of us are going to live physically forever. Our bodies are going to die one of these days. Now, I don't want you to go home and say, oh, pastor was depressing today. You're talking about trouble and difficulty and death. Listen, I promised I'd preach the whole word, rightly dividing the truth. And the truth is, you're going to die one of these days. I had a lady tell, tell me in church one time I pastored years ago. She said, I don't want you to ever pray for me again because you believe I'm going to die. I said, well, ma'am, one of these days you are going to die. She said, not me. I'm going to live forever. I said, well, yes, spiritually. And she said, no, I'm never going to die in this body. I thought, man, I'd hate to see you 200 years from now. She's already looking kind of rough. You know what I'm saying? I'm never going to die. That's a false prophecy. The scripture says, it is appointed unto man once to die. Then the judgment. We're going to die. I'm going to die one of these days. But I don't think it's going to be today. I'm certainly praying against that. Somebody said, don't you want to go to heaven? I said, I want to go to heaven if if the rapture takes place. But if, if we're just getting up a small load today, I'd rather just stay and hang out here. You know what I'm saying? But we're, we're all going to die one of these days. And so the only thing that I know to do is to prepare myself today for the day when I will die. Some of us are going to have difficulties that we're not facing right now. And difficulties and challenges will come into your life. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But not everything's going to smell like bath soap all the days of your life. My wife got this big box of squirty stuff that you rub on. What do you call it? Well, where do you get it from? Bath and body. She got a whole box of it. She said, I got that cheap, man. I, I said, man, you got enough bath and body lotion to last you for the rest of your life. She handed me a tube of it, and she said, I want you to start using it. Put it on your elbows. Put it on your feet. Put it on your hands. Hers smells like lilacs. Mine smells like graphite. Now listen, I like to think of myself as a manly man. And let me tell you, I'd a whole lot rather sniff the lilac that's on her than the graphite that's been rubbed on me. You know what I'm saying? Rub this stuff all over us. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory 
beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You know what he's saying? He's saying you have to deal with the things of this earth now with the understanding that things on this earth will change. They can change. Your difficulties can change. Your bad situation can change into a positive situation. Your broken body can be healed by the power of God. Your dysfunctional family can be brought together and have the peace of God that passes all understanding. If you can believe, God can do it in you. The things that we see are transient. They're, they're, they're moving. They're changing. They won't always remain the same. But when we look beyond all those things into the heavenlies, there's coming a day when what we don't see now because it's invisible to us will become visible to us. And it won't change. But what we have to do now is lay up gifts and lay up treasures in heaven so that when we get there, God will release them to us because we've laid them up in the heavenlies. I want to close with a video. And at the close of this video, we're going to pray together. I'm going to have uh, time for us to pray. Some of you I know need to be strengthened in your spirit, strengthened in your mind. And we're going to take a few minutes and do that today. But this video tells a short story about a mom and dad that received the news that their child, while still in the womb, was suffering from a sickness and a disease. And rather than choosing abortion, rather than choosing a way out that seemed to make sense to the world, they chose to take the promises of God and trust Him and believe in Him. And while you're watching this video today, I just want you to ask yourself today, am I, am I dealing with situations that seem impossible to overcome? And I want you to understand and realize that God is able to help you come through every situation that you face, even if it doesn't have the end result that you think it ought to have. God's will will be done in us. So just for a moment, watch this video and then I'll be back. Dear Elliot, right now you are two months from being born. We just found out that you have trisomy 18, also called Edwards syndrome. Doctors tell us that you won't likely make it to birth. Your mom and I are praying against that. We're praying for healing. We're praying for nothing less than a miracle. You're our first child and the day of your birth couldn't come sooner. Dear Elliot, you were born today weighing in at six pounds. You are already a miracle to us. Your mom is doing well, and it looks like we'll be hanging out here at the hospital a little longer. Dear Elliot, today you turned 11 days old. We are so proud of you. Today we celebrated your 11th birthday. In fact, we do that every day at 4.59, the time you were born. Dear Elliot, We've been home for a week now, so that's why you don't see your nurses anymore. It's great to have you home. Today I think we'll pack up everything and take our first venture out for coffee. 
Dear Elliot, I don't know if you've noticed, but you're connected to some tubes. The doctors say we have to keep these in so you can get oxygen to breathe. You are also fed through a feeding tube. We feed you every three hours and it takes an hour and a half to do it. We've loved learning how to best take care of you. We love it. Lots of people email, call, and send cards on your behalf. You're well loved. It's 11 at night right now and my feeding shift has just begun. Mom is asleep and the best part of my day has begun. My shift ends around 4.45 a.m. when your mom takes over. She cherishes her mornings with her boy. Today you turn one month old. I didn't know if I'd ever get to say that. To top off the day, 20 friends showed up at the door for a true surprise birthday party for you. They sang, brought balloons, and a birthday cake. It was beautiful chaos. At 2 a.m. this morning, your feeding tube came out. We had been warned this may happen eventually. We quickly realized we did not have a stethoscope, which was necessary to replace the tube. Since our neighbor was a nurse, I went ahead and knocked on their door at 2.30 a.m. They found their stethoscope, and your mom went to it. After much wrestling, praying, and your tears, the tube was down, and you were able to feed. Just so you know, your mom is my hero. Dear Elliot, you now weigh 7 pounds 3 ounces. You're growing, and your food has been bumped up because of your good appetite. You continue to find new ways to steal our hearts. Dear Elliot, today marks two months of your life. Your mom and I are so thankful we know you. We know your face, your noises. We know that bath time and massage are your favorite daily activity. You finally learned how to suck your thumb by yourself. Because of trisomy 18, you were born with clenched fists and being able to do this is actually quite difficult. Way to go, son. Dear Elliot, we celebrate your birthday every day with a picture. Lately, we've tried to get a bit more creative. Dear Elliot, I realize you can get frustrated with your tubes and your frequent congestion. Please know that your mom and I are doing everything we can to make you comfortable. Dear Elliot, well you tipped the scales today at eight pounds, 14 ounces, quite an accomplishment. You also have managed to grow a pretty decent mullet. Dear Elliot, we all got to go to a reunion at the hospital. I've never seen your mom more happy. The joy she felt getting to show off her son can't be described with words. In fact, she compared it to the way a mother would feel when her son becomes president or wins a Heisman or develops a cure for cancer. The logic of medicine says you shouldn't be alive, but you are. You are such a fighter. Dear Elliot, you have now passed the three month mark. You also got your first cordless pictures taken today. No feeding tube, oxygen, or stickers. This was no small accomplishment, but we got it done. Have I told you lately that we are so proud of you? Dear Elliot, today you went to be with Jesus. An underdeveloped lung, a heart with a hole in it, and DNA that placed faulty information into each and every cell of your body could not stop God from revealing himself through a child who never uttered a word. Not a pulpit, not a slick presentation, not a best-selling book, but a six-pound boy with trisomy 18. God found great pleasure to take a lowly thing in the eyes of the world and show truth. At your funeral, we released 99 balloons. 
each balloon representing a day of your life. How beautiful it was to watch. How quickly they were gone. And so today, we celebrate. Elliot, you are well. And although we miss you more than we can express, we're only separated from you by our time left on earth. See you soon, son, mom and dad. can be tough sometimes, can throw us curveballs that we weren't expecting. But in those moments, don't ever forget, God has not been unseated from his throne. And he ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. So no matter how difficult it may be for you today, let me encourage you and let you know that God is on your side. And that he will give you the extraordinary strength that you need to be more than a conqueror and to overcome every situation that you face. God is just so good to us. I want to read a passage of scripture to you this morning. And as I read this, I want you to stand, if you will, and start coming this direction. We're going to pray one for another today. And I'm going to read, and I want you to come while I'm reading. This passage of Scripture is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It begins in verse 13. goes through verse 18. Listen carefully. It says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And then he finalizes it by saying, therefore encourage one another with these words. You might ask yourself today, what's the worst thing that can happen? And many of you would say, the worst thing that could happen would be for someone to die because it's all over then. It's all over then. But that is so wrong. It is so wrong because we're going to live forever. We're going to live forever. Maybe not in this body. I don't know about you. I'm thankful that I don't have to live in this body throughout eternity. 
I get to have the opportunity to go to heaven and be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when it gets really bad all around me, I just try to focus upon the fact that he has a better place and a better thing in store for us. And if we can somehow keep our eyes focused on that, not focused on the things that we can see, but focused instead on the things that we cannot see because it's yet invisible to us but is promised then we can have hope and we can encourage one another I want to pray with you today and at the conclusion of this prayer I want you to reach over to the